Greetings, and welcome to the Gospel Expedition, where we explore the Gospel from Genesis to Revelation. The Gospel is how Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. It is through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that our sins have been paid for and have been forgiven. And it is through his resurrection that we have that expectation of eternal life because when Jesus was raised from the dead, he overcame the grave, he overcame death. And so we have that expectation that he will raise us up as well and we'll live with him eternally in his kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven. And that is the gospel. That is the good news. That is the central theme of the Bible and the central message of Christianity. Today, we're going to look at the life of Abraham. And the life of Abraham has many shadows of the gospel, a lot of illustrations of the gospel, a lot of explanation of the gospel. But one of the things you see in the life of Abraham is you see what it looks like when a person responds to the gospel, when a person responds to the Lord. And so you can read about the life of Abraham in Genesis beginning in chapter 12 and going on through chapter 25. There are a lot of interactions with other people in the Bible in that passage. You will see stories about Lot. You will see accounts of what went on with Sarah, with Hagar. And on the Gospel Expedition, we will explore those here over the uh, next few episodes. But one thing I want to do today is I want us to take a look at the life of Abraham. And this is going to give us a sense of what it looks like when you believe the gospel, when you trust the Lord and you trust him for salvation. This will be an example of what it looks like to live in response to the gospel. And so with that, let's take a look at the life of Abraham. Now, Abraham is first mentioned at the end of Genesis chapter 11 when he and his father moved to Haran and his father passes away in Haran. In chapter 12, Abraham's story truly begins when God calls him to leave his homeland, his home in Haran, and to leave his family and his father's kinsmen behind there, and to follow the Lord to a country that the Lord would show him. So when Abraham was called to leave Haran, he wasn't called to leave Haran and to go to a certain place. He was just called to leave and to follow God, and God said that he would show him the place along the way. And so... Abraham responds to God's call and he follows the Lord to the land of Canaan. And when he lands in Canaan, when they get to Canaan, God says that this is the land I will give to you and to your descendants as an inheritance. And God there promised Abraham that he would have a son and that his son would have descendants, that those descendants would become a great nation and that the land that they were currently staying in, that they were standing in, would be the land that that kingdom would have. They're down there in Canaan, Abraham, Sarah. He brought his nephew Lot along with him. And as they're there in Canaan, a famine arises. There is a shortage of food. There is a shortage of resources. And in order to try to survive, Abraham felt the best thing to do would be to go on down into the land of Egypt. Because Egypt was a great fertile land along the Nile River plain. And usually in times of famine, Egypt was a better place to be than just about anywhere else. So the Bible tells us that Abraham and Sarah and Lot, they went down into Egypt during that time of great famine. Now, travel back then was dangerous, and the Egyptians weren't necessarily known for being kind and being loving. And so Abraham develops this fear that as he goes down into Egypt, 
seeking survival from the famine, that the men of Egypt would see his wife Sarah, that she was fair, that she was beautiful, even though they are very well advanced in age. They are old people by this point. She is still very beautiful. He was afraid that the men of Egypt would kill him and take Sarah and add her to Pharaoh's household. And so when they go down into Egypt, he tells a lie. He doesn't tell them that Sarah is his wife. He tells them that Sarah is his sister. And so hearing that Sarah is his sister, uh, Pharaoh gave uh, Abraham lots of goats, lots of livestock, lots of money. The Bible says Pharaoh treated Abraham well for Sarah's sake. But Pharaoh took Sarah into his household and put her into his harem. When that happened... God cursed Pharaoh's household to the point that Pharaoh repented, returned Sarah to Abraham, and kind of confronted Abraham about the fact that he lied about her being his sister. And so we're going to learn something from that. All throughout the life of Abraham, you see Abraham worshiping God. You see Abraham praising God. You see Abraham praying to the Lord. You see Abraham giving God glory for the victories that he receives. And there's one instance in the scripture where the Bible actually tells us that he paid tithes to the Lord through Melchizedek, the priest. And so Abraham here, he has answered the Lord's call. He has followed the Lord's call. He's already made a couple of mistakes along the way, but he is continually worshiping the Lord and giving glory to God and obeying the Lord. God promised to bless Abraham with a son. And through his son and through his descendants, through his seed, more specifically, the nations of the world would be blessed. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, that Abraham believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness. And so Abraham is living under this promise, this promise that he will one day have a son, that he will have an heir. And through that son, the nations of the world would be blessed. The problem that Abraham is facing is that he is an old man and his wife is an old lady and she couldn't have children even when they were in their prime childbearing years. And so Abraham is trying to figure out how this will work. And Abraham offered God, what about my servant Eleazar? Maybe he can be my heir. And God says, no, you're going to have a child biologically. You're going to have a child from your own loins. And so as time progressed, Abraham and Sarah, they believed this promise of the Lord, but biologically speaking, statistically speaking, scientifically speaking, it doesn't really look possible. And so Sarah offers Abraham her handmaid, Hagar, and says, listen, and this was a tradition back in those days, if the wife of the house couldn't have children, one of the, one of the servants would become kind of a surrogate mother, would have children on her behalf. And so Sarah decided to employ this tradition and say, listen, I'm of old age, Abraham, why don't you father a son with Hagar and he will be the heir. That created a whole other set of problems. Abraham and Sarah were trying to solve a problem, were trying to make God's plan and his promise come about under their own power and it didn't work out. And that's something else we will discuss in greater detail as the gospel expedition unfolds. But God, Abraham tried to make it work his own way, and it didn't. God's promise was a son that Abraham would have with Sarah. Ultimately, Abraham and Sarah, living under faith, continuing to, continuing to trust the Lord, they were blessed. God opened her womb, 
And Abraham fathered a son, Isaac. Isaac was born. This is the promised son. This is the one that God promised. This is the one through whom the nations of the world would be blessed, through his descendants, but through that lineage. Isaac's name, by the way, actually means laughter. And the, the, the lesson from Isaac's name is that Sarah's sorrow was turned into laughter. So Isaac is born. Isaac is circumcised and brought under the covenant. Everything is going well until one day God called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham, fully trusting the Lord, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that by faith he offered up Isaac, accounting that God was even able to raise him up from the dead, in which, like which he received him in a figure. We'll go into that in the future here on the Gospel Expedition as well. But Abraham, hearing God's command to go and sacrifice Isaac, takes Isaac up to Mount Moriah. And as he's preparing the sacrifice, Isaac says, we've got the wood and we've got the fire. Where's the lamb for the offering? And Abraham makes a profound statement. He says, the Lord himself will provide for himself a lamb for an offering. There's a gospel implication there. That's something we will look at as the gospel expedition unfolds. Abraham takes Isaac up, builds the altar, places Isaac on the altar. Bear in mind, Isaac is probably about 17 years old at this point. So Isaac is going along with this. And as Abraham was preparing to make the sacrifice, God stopped him, provided a ram that had been caught in the thicket. And there Abraham offered up the ram for a sacrifice. And he and Isaac returned. And in all of these incidents you see in the life of Abraham, you see his faith. Even when Abraham is messing up, Abraham is still living by faith. And one of the things we learn from the life of Abraham is that the life of a believer, the life of a Christian, the life of someone who has trusted the Lord as their Savior, it is one marked by that faith and that trust in the Lord. But oftentimes, there are mistakes, and oftentimes that life is marked by those mistakes. But God has a way of dealing with those mistakes and correcting those mistakes and cleaning up the messes that we make. So as we get further into this study in the life of Abraham, let's take a look at some of those lessons. The first lesson we learn from Abraham's life is that God calls us. God called Abraham to follow him. God called Abraham to be his man here on earth and to be the one that would represent him and would father his nation, his people, Israel. But notice the first step that is taken here is taken by God. Likewise, God calls us. He calls us to salvation. He calls us to repent and to believe and to trust in the gospel. He calls us to follow him and to learn from him and to learn from his scriptures and to be transformed over a lifetime. He calls us to be changed by the gospel, to be transformed. And just as he called Abraham to be his man here on this earth, he has called us to be his people to represent him before the world, to represent him before the rest of the world, that we can show others the glory of God and that we can lead others into a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what he has called us all to do. Abraham was not a priest, but yet Abraham lived a life representing God and bringing people into his presence. 
you may not be a preacher, you may not be an evangelist, you may not be a missionary. In fact, statistically speaking, you probably are not. But that does not mean that your life cannot be used as a witness to the Lord to show people the gospel, the transformative power of the gospel, the, the blessing and the grace and the, and the peace of being in the Lord's presence and, and living a life in response to the gospel. And your life can be used to bring other people into the Lord's presence and to bring them to salvation. The second thing we learn from Abraham's life is that faith brings us favor with God. Genesis chapter 15 verse 6 says, Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it as righteousness. God did not judge Abraham on what he did and what he didn't do. He didn't weigh Abraham's good deeds against the bad deeds or the mistakes that he made. What God did was he looked at Abraham's heart and he saw a heart that trusted him. And because he saw that faith in Abraham's heart, he saw Abraham as a righteous man. Faith brings God's favor. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter, 12, chapter 11 verse 2 that by faith the elders obtained a good report. Or as the English standard says, for by faith the people of old received their commendations from God. It's faith that pleases God. It's trust in the Lord that pleases him. And God rewards that faith. Now, what is faith? Faith is a deep-rooted trust in the Lord and a conviction of his truth. It's knowing that God is. It's knowing that God exists. It's knowing that God is who he says he is in the Bible. And it's trusting God. It's trusting God to reward you for your faith. Or as Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The third thing we learn from Abraham's life is that God continues with us even when we make mistakes. Abraham and Sarah are in the promised land. They're in Canaan. God has promised them this land for an inheritance. But when the famine came, they fled, looking at their present physical situation, they panicked and they went to a place where they felt they could do better financially, better in terms of food, better in terms of sustenance. And they went down into Egypt. Egypt in scripture is symbolic of sin. Notice that whenever the Bible says someone went into Egypt, they went down into Egypt. They go down into Egypt. That's not just the direction on the map, but there's a, there's a spiritual application to that as well. So they went down into Egypt, and in Egypt, fearing for his life, looking at the problems in front of him instead of the Lord who was over him, Abraham told the lie about Sarah being his sister instead of his wife, and that cost them dearly. Abraham there made a mistake. As Abraham and Sarah were living under the promise that one day they would have a son, as each day ticked by, they saw those chances diminishing trying to solve the problem under their own power and trying to be God's helping hand, so to speak, they decided to father a child with Hagar. That's another mistake. Lots of problems, lots of hurt, lots of pain and suffering as a result of that mistake. And so there's another mistake that they made, Abraham and Hagar. 
mistakes were made, bad mistakes. I don't want to gloss those over. I don't want to whitewash them or make you think it was somehow not as bad as it really was. These were bad, traumatic mistakes that were made. And one thing we learn from the life of Abraham is even when you're dealing with a faithful man, there are very few people in Scripture that the Bible speaks more highly of than Abraham. He indeed was a great, faithful man of God. And in many passages of Scripture, he is used as the example of what it means to live by faith. But as great as Abraham was, he still made devastating mistakes that had long-lasting, impactful pain associated with the consequences that left, star, that left scars. But yet, God continued with him. God's people make mistakes. God's people mess up. God's people, they blow it. We do all the time. But God still loves us. He continues with us in spite of those mistakes. And he has a way of correcting the mistakes and healing the mistakes. And you can see that in how God relates to Hagar later on in the book of Genesis. Mistakes are made when we take our eyes off of the Lord. We begin to look at the problems. And we begin to look at ways that we ourselves can solve the problem without the Lord's guidance. That's where those mistakes come from. So God loves us even when we make mistakes. He corrects and he heals those mistakes. But the way we avoid those mistakes is we never take our eyes off of the Lord and we never seek to solve those problems without the Lord's blessing and without his guidance. You think about the Apostle Peter when he asked the Lord for the ability to step out of the boat and to walk out onto the water to meet Jesus. The Bible tells us that as Peter stepped out of that boat, he was able to walk on that water as he looked at Jesus. But when he saw the waves and became fearful, that's when he sank. When we see the waves of life and become fearful, that's when we sink as well. And the fourth thing we learn from the life of Abraham is that God will provide for himself a sacrifice the Bible tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The fact is, because of our sin, we deserve to die. And we cannot die that death for our sins and still live to overcome it. In order for us to be raised up, resurrected, and forgiven, in order for us to be redeemed, someone had to die that death on our behalf. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus Christ died on our behalf when he went to the cross. He redeemed us from that debt and that condemnation of sin so that we can be resurrected, so that we can be redeemed, and so that we can leave, live eternally in God's kingdom. When God called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, Isaac was supposed to die on that altar. But when the Lord stopped Abraham, he provided a ram, and that ram died in place of Isaac. That's a picture of the gospel. The ram died in place of Isaac. Jesus Christ died in place of us. The whole concept in the Old Testament of sacrificing lambs is to show the redemption that Jesus Christ would bring us on the cross. That's why John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, Behold 
the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ died in our place to clear our sin debt so that we can be raised up and we can enter into his kingdom. Those are the lessons we learn from a summary of the life of Abraham. Now let's look at some ways we can put this all into practice. The first thing we can do is the first thing Abraham did, and that is to recognize God's call and to follow him. To recognize God's call to repent and to believe, to recognize God's call to salvation. If you have been listening to these podcasts and you've been feeling that tug at your heart, that conviction of your sin, that that overwhelming need to change something, that's what that is. That's the call of God to repent and to believe his gospel and to trust him for salvation. The lesson you learn from Abraham is follow that call. Turn from your sin. Ask God to forgive you and trust him to save you because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. The second thing we can put into action is to trust God to trust in his gospel, that he redeemed us with Christ dying on the cross and that he'll resurrect us because he raised Jesus from the dead. That our expectation of going to heaven, our expectation of life after death comes from the fact of what Jesus did on the cross and how he rose again. That's what we hang our hat on. That's why we have this confident expectation of eternal life in heaven after we die. Trust the Lord Trust his gospel. Trust the Lord day to day. Trust the Lord to work out the situations in your life. In my personal Bible reading recently, I read Psalm 5-3, which says that in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare your sacrifice and I watch. What King David was saying there was he began his day in prayer to God. He began his day by sacrificing to the Lord, entering to the Lord's grace, and watching to see how the Lord would bless from that point on. That oriented David's entire day around the Lord and around his grace and around his provision. And when you do that, it brings a certain amount of peace to your life. You enjoy the peace of being in God's presence. And then the third thing that we can put into practice is to follow the Lord and to be obedient to him and to watch how he transforms us. To follow the Lord seems kind of symbolic in a certain way, but really it's not that hard to understand. To follow the Lord means to learn from him, to study up on him. If you follow baseball, you know who leads in the standings. You know who the top hitters are. You know who the top pitchers are. You know who's playing where and what's on the line in each of those games. Same way as you follow football. If you, if you follow certain movie franchises, the, the Avengers or Marvel or, or Star Wars, you know, you, you know the characters, you know the storylines, you know the plots, you know the actors who portrayed those characters. Maybe you follow an actor and you're familiar with all of his works, all of his uh, movies, all of his TV shows, everything he's written, everything he's done. You follow him. That's what it means to follow, to follow the Lord means to learn from him, to learn from his word, to learn from the teachings in his Bible, and to grow closer to him as you do so. And as you learn from the Lord and you learn his instructions on our lives, we follow those. Those are some things we can do in response to what we have learned from the life of Abraham. The life of Abraham looks pretty fantastic. I mean, he got to walk and talk with God. He saw God's miracles. He saw God's uh, divine provision 
But really, when you boil it all down, the life of Abraham is not unlike any of our lives today. God calls us. God leads us. And sometimes we're doing what God wants us to. And sometimes we fail. But our lives are marked by God's grace and his love toward us. And our lives are marked by our trust in the Lord. You can be an Abraham. Let's do what he did. Let's respond to God, let's trust him, and let's follow him. This has been the Gospel Expedition. I'm Leland Acker.